Cuphead and all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi, folks. Old Man Grognard here. Happy Saturday. And I hope you're all doing well. And right now, before we get into the meat of the program... I have a voicemail from Mark Wallring from the Yawning Owlbear wants to ask me about my the show on the semi-rant, I guess, on on damage checks and things like that. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, Glenn. It's Mark from the Yawning Owlbear. I uh, just got done listening to your uh, one episode about dealing with DCs and whatnot. I just wanted to s- some clarification. Um, of course, me and you... We have differing opinions on the whole matter, but um, when you do difficulty checks for, like, old-school rules, okay, say, for example, if you're trying to open a door with a strength check and you say, okay, roll with a plus two, uh, based on that outcome of whatever they roll, what do you compare that against? Do you go by a set number to go past by or below? Um, for me, for my games, usually uh, I just have them roll either equal to or below whatever their ability score is. Like, say, for example, if they're trying to get past a poison uh, and they have an 18, get 18 or better. I mean, just some clarification. Anyway, uh, keep up the good work and keep the stories coming. Thank you very much for that, Mark. And what no- what number do I compare the roll to? The stat. And you pro- you do it pretty much the way I do it, only you're dealing with with pluses and not minuses. I've always been taught in old school D&D, it's stats, you roll under, saving throws, you roll over. So yes, I would do it exactly the way you do it, if there was a poison set, if there was a strength check to open a door. Okay. Uh, strength plus two, or minus two, or whatever, what have you. Plus two if it's harder, minus two if it's easier. And the same with poison. You want to do a constitution, say you want to do a constitution check, same thing. If the poison is really powerful, you do the constitution check plus so many points, and minus so many points. Now, I understand why, to elaborate a little more, I understand why damage checks or numbers, target numbers and things like that exist. It's to give more control over the DM, to the DM. And what I mean in that is they will be rolling what they're basically what they're doing. And some of these, some of these apply, you know, some of these, some of these apply because like skill checks, but I'll tell you about my skill checks in a minute. I, I understand because the GM is setting a target number in their head, which they do not tell the players, and they just roll. And in modern games now, it's roll advantage, roll disadvantage. Before it was plus or minus, whatever. And there would be a target number in the in the the GM's head, and then he would tell you whether you failed or not. And since in the more modern games everything is rolling over, I can understand that. Uh, skill checks, yeah, they'd probably have a, a stat or they'd have a, a number associated with them. But all the skill sets I use, each skill is related to a stat. 
and the skill gives you pluses to that stat roll in whatever situation. So make an investigation check. That would be like investigation, say, would be based on your intelligence. So you have so you have investigation at, say, a two or a three. So you would add that or subtract it. You would subtract that from your stat. I hope this makes sense. Because once I start talking about rolling under, rolling over, my mind goes, uh, 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 you know, that kind of thing. But you do it the way I do it, pretty much. Only you're dealing with higher numbers because you're dealing with rolling over. And I'm dealing with rolling over and rolling under. So I hope that clarified things. I really do. And thanks for sending me that, Mark. Please send more. <laughs> so what I want to talk about today, animals. I want to talk about animals. Animal, specifically things like familiars and animal companions. Now, they can be a great boon to a player character, but how do you how do you deal with animal companions and familiars in your game? Now, I know familiars give the magic user a really big leg up in the spell casting department, and if their familiar gets killed, they will take they will take a hit. They will take a big hit. But animals as familiars, they're kind of something special. They're the companion, they help you cast spells, they give you some more attacks because the animal will attack too a lot of the times. Same thing with the animal companions. I mean, rangers, as far as I'm concerned, animal companions for things like rangers and such, they are pretty much equivalent equivalent to a spellcaster's familiar minus the magical boost. Because a ranger will get spells much later in level and they will be clerical spells anyway, so I don't see how that can be applied and you know it just kind of works out there i mean you can have this the fighter with his favorite dog or something like that and rangers it just it just lends itself to beastmaster type, type stuff so how do you run them in the game here's how i run them they're animal companions it depends on the animal the animals animals have an attack and if it's a familiar, they will give them pluses to spell casting, things like that. They will also attack on the spellcaster's initiative. They have their own armor class, of course. They're all written up and things like that. But yes, it gives them kind of gives them extra attacks. So if you have you have Joe the Joe the Ranger and he has a a wolf as say a timber wolf as an animal companion he would go then the wolf would go now i know a lot of people who make the the animals rule separate initiative i don't see the point really but i always give the players the option of okay you just made your hit is your is your dog if you're is your wolf doing anything he says no but i also give him the option of delaying his attack because we're talking about animals that are kind of a cut above the normal the normal everyday dog or cat. We're talking about even esoteric even esoteric animals like like uh, imps and things like that. They're going to be smarter, so they could actually do something like that. So I would say, okay, do you want him to to attack? No, I'm going to delay until after this guy attacks or something like that, and then I would let him play it out. Because there's no reason why the primary character of the animal cannot 
give them simple orders to do, like go over there, you know, sick them or something like that, or, or go over here and stab him or whatever it is. And the, the animal's going to do what the animal's going to do, but he, they, I'm assuming also they're trained. Rangers, I keep talking about rangers, but you know, I mean, fighters, paladins, they can have an animal too, just not as the rangers are made for it. But the ranger, he's got a, a leg up on that because he can actually train an animal. It doesn't take him very long to train an animal. And if he has a bond with that animal, especially like a familiar, then it's going to matter even more. I would have him stat up the stat up the animal based on whatever monster book or section you're using and then I would sit down with him and say okay this is your animal okay say it's a, a grizzly bear here's the grizzly bear stats now I want to make him a little tougher and hit a little harder so I would I would talk to the the game master and just say Okay, what can we do? Can we give them either like an extra... T well, they already give a claw-claw bite. But can they hit a little harder and be a little tougher? Because to me, those animal companions are the special ones. You know, they're not, you know, they're not a, a dog or a rat you find in a city. They are the special ones. And they should be reflect that. Maybe even give them an intelligence score or something. And it doesn't have to be very high, but give them an intelligence score so they can make an intelligence roll when the, the master tells them to do something so they, to make sure they understand if you want to do that. And, of course, they got, like, animal training as a skill and all this other stuff. And, you know, so that's kind of how I would handle a, an animal, a familiar or a, 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 an animal companion. So... I mean, we've got, I've got Astonishing Swordsman game. We've got uh, a wit, that witch in our game. She's got a saber-toothed tiger as a, an animal companion. She got it in one, of the, in one of the adventures. And so he's not, quite, he's not really a familiar, but I'm thinking that he probably could be. I know he's in the Mythgarther game. Uh, one of our characters, Brad's character, has got a giant weasel as a as an animal companion. So you have that. So anyway, I'm going to go start my day. So uh, if you want to talk to me about this, uh, drop me a line over at oldmangrognar@gmail.com, or you can you can send me a voicemail on Anchor. We're monetized, so as little as ninety nine cents a month. You too can support this program, and I would thank you. And thank you to my supporters, Jonathan Dorgio, Wendell Jessen, Oliver Shriek, Gilbert Soros, and Mark C. Wallring. And don't forget to listen to Mark C. Wallring's podcast, The Yawning Owlbear. So until I see you guys next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Thank you.